Hey, what up? This is Swamp Fiends coming at you with another episode. Today we're talking space uh, and predicting space in the new Gaining Grounds document that just dropped about a week or two ago. We did something similar in GG1, uh, kind of looking at pools and trying to predict where we think the fights are going to take place, you know, where points are going to be scored, things like that. And we're going to do the same thing with GG3. And to do this, I invited on a person who's been on this um, pod a few times, uh, Maeve Fox. How are you doing, Maeve? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm pretty good. You know, ramping up, getting ready for Nova, I guess. Yeah, I'm still trying, to, still trying to figure out what the heck I'm going to play. Have you got a faction narrowed down at least? Uh, I, it's. I think I'm returning the Bayou. I really do. I've had a lot of fun. Um, my foe interest was kind of diminished recently. And then I played a few games with uh, Jesse from Boring Conversation. And it really kind of just like piqued uh, my interest a little bit. The games were really fun. Um, we've played a couple uh, GG3 games. And um, yeah, I think I don't know if I'm necessarily going with like the most competitive options. But mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to play the options that I really enjoy like um, Ulix and Brew 2. Yeah, I'm in kind of a weird similar position because I've been messing around a lot with Yonlo too, and I think he's very strong. And I kind of just want to play him. But I also want to... I played Explore Society the whole year. Got my Explore Society shoes and stuff, and I kind of just want to finish the year with Explorers. And, you know, I feel like I have a lot more fun weird stuff in that faction that is un- more unexplored but also i just feel like well first of all if 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 i if the tournament ends up being singles which is currently being debated that'll greatly diminish my likelihood of taking explore society because i feel like they're way more fun when double masters are allowed but i don't know i'm on the fence as well in terms of faction well kids are definitely one of the big boogeymen right now um like they're I mean, they're really, really good. I don't know if I qualify them quite as like broken or OP, but they just there's so many situations they can just just do. Yeah, I'm I'm of two minds with them because I do think they are improved in GG3, and I think they're very strong. I think they might suffer. I don't know. My, my thought about explorers, if you're playing in singles environments, has been that Maxine is probably the strongest if you get the best matchups, mm-hmm. but the kids are the best if you get the best pools. I agree. Which is I, probably a good segue into talking about GG3, because I think the kids are very good into the strats, but quite bad into the schemes. That's um, interesting. I would say, um, I would say that's probably true. I could see that. And maybe maybe we'll come circle back to that point when we start talking about some of these pools. So um, what we're going to do is we got three pools here that I just randomly generated. Um, except for I assumed I made sure we had different strategies. Mm-hmm. Everything else is random. Um, well, I made sure we had three different strategies and we had all the schemes somewhere. And then I just randomized everything else. Um, so we're going to go through each one and then talk about where we think things are going to end up playing out where points are going to be scored, where fights are going to take place based off looking at the pools. And then afterwards, we'll probably talk through what we think are some of the more fun combos and things like that. Uh, So the first pool 
is corner guard the stash. Uh, so if you need a slight reminder without having to look in your app, guard the stash is the one where you have to have models within two and LOS of the marker to sort of control them. If you have more, you control the markers. Uh, and in this is this uh, version is the corner version. So basically four stash markers will be on the center line because one is placed in each each uh, the center of each quadrant and then two are placed on the center line four inches to the left and right. Um, and then two will basically be on your side of the board. So you kind of have four in the center and one on the enemy side uh, that you're trying to score on. And then the schemes are Vendetta, Assassinate, Hidden Martyrs, Load Them Out, and Spread Them Out. Load, load them out. Load them up and spread them out. So, Maeve, looking at this pool, what's the first thing that sort of stands out to you? Um, the fight is going to be right along the center line. Like, the most action is going to be along the center. It has to be. Two-thirds of your scoring for the strategy are going to be along the center line. Um, and my initial thought looking at this, because there's no schemes that sort of, like dictate where you need to put the the markers or anything like that that uh th the main fight is going to be along the stash markers um and i really yeah. think the strongest crew in this is probably not going to be the one that holds the middle it's going to be the one that is able to capture the far ends oh yeah uh, elaborate there um like okay so the middle is going to be obviously where i think the biggest like go to the middle and punch things up is um, just because that's like, there's two markers there. So the easiest way to score is going to be to control those two markers. Um, but the important markers are going to be the ones at the far ends of the center line um, because those are going to have less models there. So they're going to be um, kind of a first come first serve to get there. So models like, the Damned or Sillerids or First Mate, um, Kruligans, anybody that can just fly up the board and grab those places early is probably going to be, like if you can hold those points, I think that's probably going to be more, points-wise, that's probably going to be more important than holding the middle. I think you're going to be scoring Vendetta and Assassinate kind of in the middle. Yeah, that's, uh, so like, Vendetta, Assassinate, Hidden Martyrs, all of those do not care about where the fight takes place. It's it's your druthers in terms of where it takes place. Uh, load Them Up is 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 such a weird one because it's so crew-specific that it's almost not worth talking about because it requires so many markers that mm -hmm. your crew can either do it or they can't. And I feel like most crews can do it, that can do it, um, are going to be just like stacking a bunch in one spot anyway. So yeah. probably just wherever they're winning the fight, that's where all their markers are going to be. Spread them out is the is the interesting one, and I think that uh, adds a little bit of a interesting element to this one because, like you're saying, there there's going to be the two center ones that are on the flanks, and then you got the two in the center. Um, and if you're if you have to have a model that's standing on those flank ones anyway to get to your fourth strap point, like because I'm this. This this version of the strat is so swingy, I feel like. Just, mm -hmm. just because you almost have to have four more models than your opponent to get to four strat. And that means that means it's a pretty gilly game to begin with. So yep. if you have those two models standing out on the flanks, they might as well be 
drop and spread them out markers since they got to be out there anyway. I think uh, while- the um, I think when you're talking, you know, a lot of talk about like predicting the beatdown. I think the more the crew that can control the middle is probably is probably going to be the one that wins unless you do something cute and just abandon the middle to go for the sides. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there is a strategy there where you can just be like, I don't want to fight, so I'm not going to. And, mm-hmm. you know, run to the run to the corners, capture the corners, force them to spread out. Right. Because a lot of the more punchy crews want to be sort of bunched up. They want to take advantage of like having multiple models to hit with and that sort of thing. So a lot of times when you spread them out, they have a little more trouble like mm-hmm. being cohesively aggressive. So um, taking like hidden martyrs, because, you know, one of your guys is going to die, probably. Um, you know, I think hidden martyrs is a pretty safe scheme in this pool. Um, but maybe also taking either load them up or spread them out, whatever your crew can do better. And um, so you can like, I think there's two ways you can approach this. You can either approach this as like a, we're going to get to the middle and we're going to punch each other until one person lives or one person survives, or we're going to go wide and say, we're not fighting you. We're going to do this thing um, and see how, and, and, you know, kind of see how that goes. I don't know which is better. My personal thought is I like spread out and try to force them apart. But I know a lot of people really like getting in and punching. Yeah. Well, I think what's important here is in order to in order to start scoring points that are not just ones you like. The, the far marker is interesting, right? Because it's a thing where your opponent has no incentive to stand by it. Other, mm-hmm. ten, other than to deny you. So that far marker is always going to be a thing where like, well, if one of my guys can break free, they can run to that marker and, and, and be my third marker for my third point or my fourth marker for my fourth point, something like that. But in general, I think, I don't know if you necessarily have to have the center, but I think you have to be able to take the space in between two markers somewhere mm-hmm. in this one. Because... That's that's like the most dominant position to be in when you're trying to con- contest all these markers is if you can just get one push or get one walk uh, away from being uh, scoring a marker or denying a marker. You don't want to have to be double walking to the marker that's two, you know, that's ten inches away to be able to contest the one when you see that sort of play opening. So I wonder if it'll be a thing where the like some crews will want to take the center in between the two, which is the, the the closest space, and then some crews will want to take the space in between one of the flank ones and one of the center ones, and be like, "This is my space, that's your space," mm-hmm. um, but I can still out cagey you over here because if you're going to split your force to go out that way, out towards your flank, then um, you're going to weaken your your combat at that point. Um, I don't know. I feel I feel like. I feel like standing in between two markers somewhere is going to, you're going to have to do that, especially considering the rest of the schemes don't really require you to go anywhere else. So two days ago I played corner guard, the stash. Um, and I was playing, um, or do we play flank guard, the stash? No, I think it was corner. I want to say it was corner. Um, but I was playing, um, brewmaster and, um, Jesse was playing Ivan. 
And um, Brew was so good for corner guard the stash because, like, I didn't get there turn one. Like, I let him kind of move up turn one to sort of, you know, um, get into place. And then turn two, um, I launched a uh, distraction Carnifex Golem kind of into the middle of his crew and then had Brew follow up. And, like, Brew basically tanked half of his crew mm-hmm. while the rest of my models just... I had three monks, and they just scored. <laughs> like, you know, they were so hard to kill, but they were also so fast that they were able to, like... Oh, okay, he's definitely got this guard. Um, I'm just going to bounce them out and score the other one. Um, and that yeah, was I feel like he's going to be so strong in here in general because he gets those pushes. Mm-hmm. Um the wherever he kind of wants having having mobile and tough seven stall models i think is or six stall models i think it's really gonna be a boon in this gg yeah i think durable low cost is is kind of a a big uh post you know like a a very strong model type in this GG because you have so many of these name schemes that you almost have to take because some of the schemes are completely off the table, depending on your crew. Hmm. Like in this pool, you basically have to, so say you sit down at the table, you can't take load them out because you know, your crew just cannot do that. Like there, there are so many crews that just cannot do that. Uh, So you're either going to spread them out, which is committing to that flank strategy uh, which kind of makes you weaker at one of the other th- uh, three other schemes where you want to get your combat in. So you basically have, and and if the match, you sit down in the matchup and you're like, oh, I can't score assassinate, which happens all the time. Mm-hmm. There's uh, there's so many masters that if you spend time trying to score assassinate on, you'll just lose everything else. So it, you're sitting here with Vendetta or Hidden Martyrs as either both your schemes or one of them paired with Spread Them Out and you're going to go with that flank strategy. And that's one of the things where you have to name a model and that model has to survive. Yeah. So if you're not careful, it's very easy to dictate to your opponent what you've taken as you've built your crew. If public demo is in and you don't have the models for that, you know, they're not taking it. You know, if um, hidden martyrs is in and they don't have the models for that, you know, they're not taking that. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of I feel like there's a lot of um, there's a lot of schemes right now, or not a lot, but enough schemes right now that you can kind of like accidentally stop yourself from just in crew declaration. Yeah, I don't know if that'll even be a bad thing though, because I think just so many crews just will not be able to score eight in this GG. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, realistically looking at this pool I, I think it's either an an 8-1 pool or something like a 5-3 a 5-4 yeah. something like that because you got your hidden martyrs which against it could easily be a one point you got vendetta which could easily be a one point spread them out easily be a one point guard the stash is so, so competitive if the game is competitive could mm-hmm. easily only score two on the strat and winner scores three and that's kind of the ball game Vendetta and Assassinate are both easily one points as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think if I were going to take this one, I guess it, it would also depend on my opponent's crew, but I would say Hidden Martyrs would probably be, like, the obvious pick for me. I think um, so, too, yeah. Just because it's a punchy, it's a punchy 
list, something's going to die. So if you dictate what's going to die, like, you know, that's fine. Um, my initial weird thought, like looking at this, like what would I play into this? Um, like I said, I would probably go wide. I would probably play Z with like three Sillerids and like first mate and maybe like gators and just try to go as wide as possible. Right. Yep. Just like numbers, numbers, make numbers win the game and make them have to come to my models. And by the time they get to my models, oh, I'm gone. I'm, I'm at another place. Um, and force, and like I said, force that aggression out, spread it out enough that they don't, if they've taken Vendetta, assassinate something like that, they're going to have to work that much harder because everything is sort of spread further out. Yeah, that's that's the one thing I've been uh, noticing. Um, like, even when it seems obvious to be like, okay, I take the center, you know, I'll be able to in a position where I can uh, threaten multiple stashes. It's really hard to also threaten your opponent's models and actually end up in the spot you want to be sometimes. So I do think that, you know, if you spread out, you take spread them out. Once you score it that first time on turn two, maybe your opponent starts to scramble and chase you down in ways that can really open them up to being mm -hmm. pushed off the markers and, and I think, getting them stolen. And I think Vendetta Assassinate Guard the Stash is probably going to push people to those more brawly crews. And what yeah. you don't usually want to do is play into their strengths. You know, yeah. like, you don't want to go fight Tony. <laughs> you know, you don't want to go fight Nekima, which Nekima would probably be the counter to the strategy that I just said, because she's so fast that she can kind of get out there and, and murder things. Um, yeah. I mean, you could definitely out brawl things, but it just it just it requires you to win before the game starts. You have to win mm -hmm. list, you know, list selection and, and list writing and yeah. things like that, uh, which is not a reliable way to approach the game sometimes. <laughs> uh, but let's go ahead and talk about the uh, the next one. So we got Absolutely. wedge covert operations. So covert operations is the one where uh, the markers, in this case, are going to be all on the center line. Uh, one, four to the left and right again, just like on guard the stash, but the, the other strategy markers are to the are six inches away from where the center line meets the table edge. And this is the one where you have to nominate three people who are your covert claimers. Um, and they can claim one of the four markers. Um, if they were covertly nominated at the end of the turn, if they are unengaged and within two of a strat marker that has not already been claimed and if they haven't used their claim token. So weird. This is such a weird strategy. I haven't played it yet. I need to because I know it'll show up at, at Nova. Like, you know, such a weird. Like, I don't, I don't, I have yet to truly figure out how to approach this one. I, um, uh, I might be spoiling, but I think this is my favorite strategy so far. It is okay. surprisingly deep mm -hmm. and... Uh, you cannot be shoved down too far. Like I feel like with guard the stash, if like if you lose an important model on turn two with guard the stash, you've probably lost. Right. Like the it's really hard. Guard is big. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard. If you're losing models, if you're just down models and guard the stash, you're basically losing, and you will not be able to get to four points. Like almost impossible. With covert, you can squeak out four uh, by being cagey and 
letting the models die that use their claim tokens earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and also careful play in terms of in which order you're going to be taking the markers. Like it can be really advantageous to take the flank ones and it can be advantageous to take the center ones early, right? Because if you take the flank ones early, you're basically forcing your crew to go to the center later. And if you take the center ones early, you're forcing your crew to split up later. And both of those dynamics I find are really interesting. If, if you built your crew around bubbling, but you taking the center in the beginning, because that's just what you do, you could easily cap yourself at two strat points because uh, they killed the ones that, uh, that, uh, that haven't claimed early. And then your other ones just have to spread out, but they can be engaged easily as soon as they do so. I don't know. I think this one is really interesting. I haven't I exactly figured out what is best. Um, this is one that is <laughs> is very, like we were talking about with Nexus 2, I feel like they're very strong here because they just bring so many significant models, which means more claim tokens, which means more potential to score. But mm-hmm. they also engage pretty easily and are very annoying to unlodge, um, you know, with your nests and things like that. Um, I like it. I think it's um, my, my frustration with it. And I know that like they changed a little bit of the rules on like secret information and stuff with this GG as well. Um, I'm just worried about a little bit. What did they change? I'm, I'm, I'm unaware of that. Um, how did they put it? Let me, let me, um, Basically, that you are that you have to write it down, and mm. you have to pick secret information after you pick the secret information after deployment before start of game. So you pick your schemes before you, which doesn't matter for for strategy, but you pick your schemes before the game before you deploy. Then you deploy. Then you pick the secret information. What? Hmm. Oh, so like with sabotage, you deploy, then you pick the secret, then you pick which um, piece you're going for. You don't pick it before the game starts, or before. Well, I guess that makes do. sense because you do, you don't know your table side until deployment, right? Yeah, and same thing with hidden martyrs. Um, now with this one, it changes every round, and I feel like. I feel like there could be some misunderstandings about like how this specifically works and you know, like what's picked and um, I just feel like there could be potential to gain the system a little bit. Well, the, um, the thing that's going to happen for sure starting off is people are going to uh, finish the first activation of the turn and then realize that we didn't pick coverts. <laughs> That yeah. thing that is for sure going to happen all the time. So yeah. hopefully it doesn't mess things up too much. And uh, I it's need not to a actually get this on the board and play it. Um, we got an event coming up in like two weeks, and I'm hoping we can, you know, at least get this on the table. I would probably want to play this like three or four times before it hits Nova, just so that I can like get a good idea of how the strategy is going to work. Yeah, I um. This is one where 
I mean, both this and guard the stash, uh, being immune to being moved is very important because certain model models can just sit on claim things and just completely mm -hmm. deny them because they engage. Yeah. Um, slippery, I guess, is probably a, a good rule here because you can get in a position where you can score it without being engaged as well as um, uh, activation control. You know, mm -hmm. being able to look to see where your opponents are engaging and what, and then go ahead and slip uh, a person past and, and claim a marker at the end. For that matter, two-inch engagements are going to be really good at denying. Mm -hmm. So in terms of space, I think this one's obvious that everything occurs on the on the center. Like the, the mm -hmm. deployments are actually irrelevant. Uh, that being said, breakthroughs in the pool, uh, which is the first thing I, I, I sort of noticed with this one because uh, breakthrough has gone from over the course of M3E, something I never take, to something I always take because the schemes have gotten much harder almost every GG. Um, yeah. So, break, but breakthrough is a little harder on wedge and you need to be in the center to score strat. That being said, the interesting thing about covert operations is scheme runners actually don't do anything in the strat except for place their marker one time. You know, it's not like um, oh. symbols of authority. Sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> blank there. Where you, you can have one model who runs all the symbols. Once they get their one claim, they have nothing else to do. So in this situation, a strong scheme runner that you may like can claim once on a flank and then run do breakthrough. Um, so something like that could happen. What other schemes are sticking out to you first? Schemes? Um, catch and release. Because we know where models are going to be. Um, so being if you're able to predict where a model is going to be, um, it's kind of easy to, you know, all run this model up tag the hen uh, henchman or master and you know as long as it's a model that can get away it gets away um like you don't play catch and release unless you're sure that model is going to be able to to run out once again like fermented river monks <sighs> fantastic at that at catch and release i play them all the time at catch and release they're so good um well in a related note secret meetup is basically the same thing because uh if the terrain, the strategy markers have terrain traits, so they are pieces of terrain. Um, so if you know the model that you're picking for your secret meetup will be wanting to go to one of these strategy markers eventually, um, you could probably get lucky and pick the, the strat marker, one of the ones in the center, and say that's our secret meetup location. Uh, I think it does get tricky to score the second point because you got to get two markers base to base with that strat marker. I think that kind of um, can backfire on you, though, because, like, you pick the model, the enemy model, you pick your model, you pick the strategy marker, and they don't bring that model anywhere near to that strategy marker. Yeah. And then suddenly you're like, oh, oh. But if there is a decent-sized piece, because it is four along the line, if there is a decent-sized piece of terrain, say, towards the middle then you can pick that piece of terrain and like chances are the model will be close. I think secret meetup is probably one of those you want to build towards um, crews that have like a lot of lures, a lot of pushes, things like that will be really, really good um, to score secret meetup because you're, you know, you're going to have control. Uh, God, Lucy two seems remarkable 
absolutely remarkable at this pool. <laughs> like looking at it, like he just has so many tools to do this. Um, the, the other secret meetup is going to be a, a pretty polarizing scheme throughout this GG. I'm mm -hmm. calling. Um, you're either going to love it or you're not. Like, what was the name of the um, the one last season that was? Which one? Bait and switch. Bait and Bait switch. switch yeah. I think in secret meetup they're in the same camp in terms of how much they would be taken. Um, in that they they are schemes that you have you don't have a lot of control over. But I I took bait and switch a lot last um, GG and scored two points on it like way more than you would think just yeah. because you can sort of position in ways that will make your opponent go to where you want them. And I think you could probably do that with secret meetup. Plus the second point of secret meetup is way easier than most schemes. Uh, just having two friendly scheme markers of base contact with a chosen terrain piece, especially if you haven't revealed that that is your scheme. So like, mm -hmm. for example, you have leave the mark, leave your mark in this pool. If you're dropping a bunch of scheme markers around the center, they're like, oh, obviously, let's leave your mark. It's like, oh, wait, those are actually touching that forest. So that was actually his second point of secret meetup this whole time. Um, I don't know. I, I think similar to bait and switch, I will probably take this more than most people, just assuming I'm going to only get the second point and then hope I get the first. Yeah. That being said, it is one of those named schemes where... Not only can you not kill the enemy model, your model can't die as well. Yep. To get that first Once again, Brewmaster feels really good for this. I can push you wherever I need to push you. <laughs> and I don't have to like I don't have to do that until the end of the turn. So I can, you know, I can get your model close at the end of the turn. I push your model close, I push my model close, score the point. Um so I like I like that. Um yeah, and we've been teasing it with this pool. Um, so leave your mark. I mean, I think that's the big bad at the GG. Um, it was in GG1, and it, it, it dominated a lot of pools. Um, it was taken a lot. It is a it is an interesting scheme in that, you know, you can't score it if your opponent's marker is also there, but it is a very good scheme to take if you're planning on winning. <laughs> and yeah. considering Covert is, is all on the center line, it it makes sense to also want um, to take this scheme because you're going to be there anyway. I think um, it could be very easy to deny though, because mm -hmm. so much of the, so much of the fight is probably going to happen towards the center anyway. So like if you've got several models kind of, and, and if you've got several tanky models with like two inch engagements and that sort of thing, like that could be, that could be frustrating to score, especially score the second part. Um, the first part, I think, is always pretty easy to leave your mark. The second and, part's much harder. And the frustrating thing about leave your mark is even if you weren't going to planning to take it, you also have to be ready to deny it, which makes puts it in that weird position where it's like, well, why are you not just scoring it? Um, and that's, that's why I don't like that scheme in general. I mean... I, I mean, comparing it to the rest of the GG is where it also is a little frustrating because it. I think this GG is a very difficult GG to score scheme points in, and then leave your mark is that one where if I'm winning, I usually am going to get two points on it. So and I do think everyone's taking leave your mark 
as their plan A in covert operations. The only thing that's going to upset it is like, oh, I'm facing Parker. Maybe I should reconsider that. Um, you know, those kind of matchup decisions. And then you have the basic alley-oop, I think, of the entire packet for GG3. And that's in your face. I think in your face is going to be pretty easy to score the first point. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be fairly easy to score the second point. Um, but not because you bring a big tanky guy. I think you pick if your biggest, once again, if your biggest point guy is like three seven point models, you're going to score that point because you're, you've, they're not, they're probably not going to kill all three of those guys. So one of them can get through at the end um, to the deployment zone. This is wedge. So getting to the enemy deployment zone is going to be no problem. Um, I think in your face is probably going to be a pretty easy grab for a lot of crews. Yeah, I, I'm, I've waffled on in your face because the first point is pretty obvious. It's like if you have a beater master, you should get the first point unless you're going to get eight would anyway. Um, also, the second point is where master. things get tricky because, especially like in this strat. Uh, for sure, you you don't want your most expensive model being forced to go to the deployment, mm-hmm. and because it can be killed, you know. It's, it's, so I mean, if you have a rider, if your rider dies, you can't score it. You know, something like yeah. that. Um, then it probably needs to go early on turn five to not die and get to that deployment zone, and then it could just be pushed out. You know, things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to your point, I do think the, if, if you're planning to, so I think most of the time, leave your mark, I mean, sorry, in your face is going to be the one you're like, oh, well I might as well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm building my strategy around leave your mark and I'm taking models for leave your mark, but then I might as well take in your face because my model, my master is going to kill a model at some point. Yeah. Um, Well, it's important to know too, that in your face says any leader. So if their leader is going to play up front and tanky. There's no reason not to take it as well, because you just have to kill a model within three of any leader. So you can kill something near their leader if they're playing in the middle and score a point as well. Um, so I think that's really good. Um, yeah, I think the, that that's a that's a, a sort of handout to the more control crews. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like or your just rangey crews in general. Your, your, yeah, yeah, your your Yonlo twos, you know, stuff like that things that can position reposition models while killing them could pretty easily score in your face uh, off the enemy leader as well. Yeah. It's just that second point is a little tricky, but I do think this one will get taken a lot. I think this is going to be the generic. I'm, I want my one point. I'm going to take it mm-hmm. in your face thing. Um, probably. Cause I, I mean, let's compare it, right? So let's compare, let's think about these, my one model needs to survive schemes. You have leave your mark. I'm sorry, in your face where my most expensive model has to survive and go into the deployment zone. You have hidden right. martyrs where it's probably you don't have hidden martyrs in this in this pool. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not. T- I'm not talking about the pool. I'm talking about the whole GG. There's like okay, yeah. five schemes where, in order to score the second point, one model that one model has to survive. 
Mm-hmm. So you have in your face where the most expensive has to survive, get to the deployment zone. You have catch and release where a minion has to survive and run away. You have hidden martyrs where probably a pretty cheap model has to not only survive, but engage a higher cost model. And you have vendetta where uh, the model has to survive anywhere, but you also have to kill the enemy model. You and is that all of them? I think that's public all of them. demo. Oh, public demo yeah. where you have a low cost model that has to survive. Um, not be replaced, I think. Or, which one has a health restriction? That's Public, Hidden Martyrs. Um, yeah, Hidden Martyrs. Hidden Martyrs does, yeah. They have that's to be the one with the health restriction. Um, yeah, so Hidden Martyrs is looking pretty gross this year. <laughs> you know, like, not very good when you're talking about, well, I just have to have my most expensive model be in a deployment zone where it's going to be safe. I have to, or, you know, there's all these, like, I have to, I have to protect a low-cost model, or I have to protect it. Like, so... Yeah. I think to that point, yeah, in your face does seem like a pretty strong scheme. Once again, I freaking love Brew 2 for this pull. <laughs> he can push things off of the operations markers. He can do secret meetup pretty easily. He could do catch and release pretty easily. He can do leave your mark pretty easily because he can just remove poison from somebody, drop markers. Um, he can do in your face pretty easily because he is definitely going to be there. And in your face is an interesting caveat for kill schemes because it just says the model is killed. It doesn't specify that it needs to be killed by a specific model. So if it um, dies to poison or burning or whatever, you still get the point. Um, so yeah, I, I really don't see why you don't play Brew 2 in this if you're a Bayou player. Like It just looks so good. Breakthrough is super freaking easy for him. Because the models just get pushed out and, and you win the game there. Um, and it's Wedge, so Breakthrough's so much easier on Wedge. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, I think this is pretty center, brawly, leave your mark in your face, probably the most likely takes. Um, I, the thing, I, the thing I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to see more of. Uh, and I think public demo is a little bit of this, and then you know load them up is a little bit of this, which we'll talk more about love, uh, public demo next pool. But um, I want to see things that certain crews are just really good at, because mm-hmm. when that is the case, it makes you want to spread out into other crews. You're talking about like Brewmaster, and I'm talking about like Nexus. <laughs> you know, we're talking about crews that were that are good, and then we're like, okay, they're also good here. Right. I really like to see when, like, the crew I wasn't planning on taking is, like, very good in these pools. And I do think that some of these schemes are so difficult in ways where a lot of weight is going to be laid on the matchup. So, yeah, you're talking about Brew 2, which is always just, I mean, that's like the boogeyman of Bayou right now. Everyone's sort of concerned about him. And it's like, oh, he's also good in the strat. The weakness you have is not in someone outscoring you or outplaying the strat. It's just in the weaknesses you already have. It's in like Brew 2 loses to this, you know, Brew yeah. 2 can't fight this. Da, 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 da. And I think that's the case for a lot of the crews that I'm also thinking about. And it would be a shame if that if if that's the way it ends up playing out over time. Yeah. This GG's hard that. to predict, I think, right now, just because, you know, like we're talking about covert is I think it's deeper than I initially thought when I, you know, so, so I'll be, I'm really hopeful that a lot of these things are way deeper 
and there are crews that are just like, oh, I didn't think about how good they are at public demo, you know, something like that. Um, because I, I mean, as, as we're going through it and it's like, okay, you're going to have to be able to fight in the middle. You're going to have to be able to fight in the middle. It's like, I hope we're not just going to have to win the pregame. Like we talked about before, where if you run into a bad matchup, the pool's not going to alleviate any of that pressure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can see that being, I can see that. I don't know. I I think maybe this third one is, is a little bit um, pressure alleviating because it is, a carve the path pool. Um, mm-hmm. So this third one is standard carve your pa- carve the path, and carve a path is supply wagons 2.0. I think is fair to say, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is the one where you're pushing concealing strategy markers. They have to be completely over the center point. If so, uh, and you, you have two friendly ones. So mm-hmm. uh, the enemy ones you can interact with to move, but they can't score any points for you. Uh, you want the Basically, push your two markers over the center line and then push them to the deployment, awarding one and two points respectively for those positions. And that's how you score your uh, your strat. Uh, the interesting thing about this one also is you can take the interact action to move it even while engaged. And models do not block this marker because it's just a concealing strategy marker. Mm-hmm. So you can interact while engaged and push through models. It just stops if it hits uh, impassable terrain. But the other yeah. rub is that if it, the strategy marker contacts non-impassable terrain markers, uh, it removes uh, any non-strategy marker. There's probably a clear way to say that. <laughs> if the strategy marker comes in contact with any non-strategy marker, it removes it and then continues to push. Yep. So not only are you pushing a strategy marker, it can also bulldoze any terrain, any markers in the way. Um, so initially, I'm very excited about that because I think we're getting pretty marker heavy in with Malifaux Burns. So it is cool to see a strategy that gives everyone marker removal. Yep, I think it's neat. Um, I've played this one twice now. Um, it's such a hard, it's such a hard strategy to predict. I think how many points you're gonna get off of it because there are so many different things that can like hold up what you're doing um and the deployment changes things like getting the second point in corner deploy or the the third and fourth points or whatever in corner deploy is so difficult um generally it seems like the people who get the markers across the center line first are probably going to at least get that early lead um but you have to be able to then defend the models that are trying to push the markers, right? So <clears throat> kind of right off the bat, killing anybody near a path marker probably is, you know, the best or one of the the more like pertinent strategies, I think, for um, denying this strategy. Like, oh, something's near it. Okay, kill it. Cool. We're good. <clears throat> Yeah, carve a path is is interesting in terms of space because there's literally no uh, space restrictions other than they have to get to the deployment eventually. So in yep. standard, that could be anywhere um, because you can also push your strategy marker on top of your other strategy marker if you want. Um, so you can kind of just push all of your strats to the center and just bulldoze up the middle if you want, especially if it's like wedge deployment, something like that. You could put both of your strats on each flank and then... Uh, you know, have two 
attack parties that uh, roam completely independent of each other, knowing that you're going to you're a little stronger that way against like a bubble crew, something like that. So, well, they do I do like have this to be, strategy. They do have to be ten inches from the center line and ten inches from each other. So um, your deployment. Actually, I think this is probably the most board dependent strategy that there is. So like if there's a bunch of like heavy terrain and a bunch of like funnel points, this strategy becomes very different. Whereas if the board doesn't have as many funnel points, it's a lot easier to kind of pick where you're going with it and have more options. But like big houses and stuff or, or, you know, large severes when your models don't have the ability to ignore severe, um, can really change how you play the strategy. Um, because like if there are big pieces of terrain in the way that makes it so that you have to have extra pushes to get around those things to get to the deployment zone. And if it's like a small deployment zone, like corner, that makes it even harder because then you only have a small like space to to get to. Um, so big terrain pieces that are near that deployment zone can make it difficult to score, you know, to get those markers in there. Yeah, I feel like most TOs are just not going to do corner carve. That is a pretty um, big ask. Um, Wedge carve is kind of difficult too because of how... Well, because it doesn't say anything about not being in your deployment zone, does it? Like, it just says 10 inches from each other. Um, yeah, they can be in your deployment zone. Yeah, okay. So I guess that that's not super bad. Um, the uh, long deployment line, or long center lines are kind of weird because there are only certain places where you can even put them 10 inches away from each other and 10 inches away from the center line. You know, so... There's a, like I said, it's weirdly board dependent. Like if your board is very choked up with funnel areas, it's going to be a lot more difficult to score. And I think the people that can get them to those and pass those funnel points faster are probably going to be the ones that score it the easiest. Yeah. In general, you don't want to be taking actions to push your opponents backwards. So I do think the default strategy will be. I move my markers six inches quickly with free AP while it's free and then kill all your stuff. So it can't push yeah. anymore. That um, being said, leave your markers in this pool. So it would be kind of cute to kick your model or kick your opponent's marker or your marker over their attempt to score, leave your mark. Yeah. So uh, the, the five schemes in this pool I haven't mentioned yet are leave your mark, sabotage, public demonstration, set the trap, and in your face. So the only ones we haven't discussed so far um, are set the trap. Well, sabotage is making a turn, and we haven't discussed public demonstration and set the trap. Um, So um, public demonstration is the weird sort of new hidden martyrs where, I don't know, I would like to hear, do you have any thoughts in about this scheme in general it's it's such a weird one to me i did it in the brewmaster game that i played the other day um it was really easy with two models that are with models that can just push into space no problem um and then we're very survivable um but i think it's it's a weird one because 
it's one of those where crew build your opponent can look at it and say there's no way you take that yeah most Uh, crews can't take this but is what i'm finding right and i think that's why those six seven cost models are going to be very interesting because i don't necessarily think like carve your carver path is different because it doesn't necessarily dictate where the fight's going to be but covert operations guard the stash all of those are you kind of know where the fight's going to end up so public demo is actually not going to be super hard to score in general um i think uh for those i don't know that i'd take it on carve the path because you just don't know like they don't need to put their entire force into carve into to pushing path markers so yeah. There's going to be a lot of mo- models that are kind of left to do whatever they want to do. So in this pool in particular, I don't know if I like public demo, but in guard the stash covert operations, I think it's pretty good um, because it can, you know where models are going to be and you know what you've got to do, you know, to get those models there as long as your models are tanky enough to survive. Yeah, that's um, the big ass. I think most crews that are capable to do this have like a significant totem unless they are just bring a lot of minions. Like yeah. the, the two restrictions uh, make a really weird combo because like cost seven or less. Sure. And then the combined cost of 18 or less is, is weird. I feel like if one of those existed, but the other one didn't, it would make it way more open to other crews. But like, yeah. it's, it's such a, cause like, Oh, well I, I like this seven cost model. So you hire two of them. And you're like, oh, wait, now I have to have a four-cost model. And it can't be one that it replaces. So I can't even hire my effigy with the upgrade. Um, well, that's why so, it worked. That's why it worked with the crew I played, because you had three drunk monks. Yeah, yeah. The the three six-stones uh, six models feels like probably, if you're taking it, uh, you're, it's probably something like that. Or the seven six five is uh, an arraignment that works as well. Mm-hmm. The tricky thing about this is you still have to have one of those models alive and near a master henchman of higher cost. It has that hidden martyrs sort of restriction as well. It's kind of like slightly different hidden martyrs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hidden martyrs and um, catch and release combined, right? Um, I think the interesting thing about this, though, is it is not a, they don't have to be minions as opposed to like, um, you know, the, the, the catch and release restriction. Right. So right. you can kind of cheese this one with the super difficult to kill cheap models. I'm thinking like the Mr. Mordrakes, um, the Scion of the Voids, stuff like that. Make uh-huh. it way easier to score that second point if you can finagle your list to score the first point. Yep, I agree. I agree. Now, I know you said that um, you don't like the fact that in this strat, carve is sort of an X factor in terms of where models are going to be. But on the other hand, I do like that. I know my opponent crew has to take a lot of interact actions to be relevant on the strat. And that means I can keep minions alive more easily. Mm -hmm. So while it may be more difficult to get them there, it's more like, I feel like you're more likely to be able to keep them alive long enough to score it. Cause the thing with public demo is you really don't want to miss out on the first point because you can only get one of the three within LOS of the enemy master. Right. I'm thinking that with Carve a Path 2, 
you're going to want models that don't that have access to extra actions to be able to so like leap um uh playing this with yuri and bringing uh the damned and it can push leap push that's huge right like anything that anything that gets those extra actions to um be able to push the marker and do something else or and walk into the marker or something like that um i think those are going to be big like really really action efficient models are going to be really good um and so like if you don't bring those you're gonna have a very hard time so i think that you know the crews that don't pull that off are, are gonna they're gonna be a little difficult to to score the strategy um and score like any of the schemes like if there's a lot of heavy marker or heavy like interaction schemes that would be tough yeah so let's talk about uh set the trap because that is one that I think when I first read it, I was like, ooh, I'm going to take this a lot. And then once I started putting it on the table, I'm like, ooh, I don't actually like this. I don't like this one. I don't um, like this one. And I don't like it for two reasons. Number one, it's just hard. It just requires so – sometimes it requires so much mental gymnastics to figure out how you're going to score it. Um, and it requires keeping models alive, which can be a problem. And – Especially because you have to keep a master or henchman alive at the end of the turn, end of the game to score it. And two, yeah. in Carve a Path in particular, I feel like it's very easy well, to have. Let's, well, let's talk independent of Carve a Path, and then okay. I, I then I think Carve a Path is the nail in the coffin for this game. Um, yeah, so I think Set the Trap is is an interesting one because it is very swingy, right? Because you want to have three enemy models within two of any number of ski markers. Um, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like, Did that lose you? it's kind of like budget detonate charges, right? Where, you know, you kind of wanted to put models next to two ski markers. This is kind of the opposite where you want three models next to any number of ski markers. So you can have three models next to three, you know, that are in different spots, but you got three ski markers next to them, or you could just have one marker down that's near three enemy models. So in, if you got like your Lucius twos, you can drop an enemy marker anywhere. Mm-hmm. Or uh, drop a ski marker anywhere. You can potentially just be like, "Oh, thanks for the free point." Um, the thing, and 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 like I've been playing a lot of Jedza too, who has a trigger on her dredge up to just drop a ski marker, which in theory seems like, "Oh, well, I want to dredge up near as many mo- models as possible, and I won't. We'll just you know get that tome trigger, and then I'll drop the thing. Easy peasy." It's just like you said. Um, you have to keep that model alive. So if you're doing stuff near it, you know, you have to keep it alive in the Jedza case or, or if you're going for the draw out secrets, stuff like that. And yeah. it is telegraphed so hard. It's one of the most telegraphed scheme marker schemes that I've, I've played. And once, once it's telegraphed, it becomes so easy to avoid. Yeah. I think you have to have action control. Like yep. if you have activation control, you can score it a lot easier, um, but getting activation control often requires you to kill some models, which makes it more difficult to score. Um, so I don't I I feel like this is one that like either the first point 
is going to be scorable or the second point is going to be scorable. I think it's going to be very hard to get both points. Um, and I think, like, the one thing I do like is that this is the one... Um, this is the one strategy that incentivizes Don't Mind Me, which in general, I think Don't Mind Me is a lot worse in GG3 than it has been in any other GG. It's just like objectively worse. Like, I would say interacting with strat markers was pretty defining of the past GG. And in this GG, you only do it with like one strategy marker and it doesn't matter if you're engaged. So it's just yeah, I agree. way worse. Um, so yeah, set the trap is 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 a boon to the the don't mind me models, but um, yeah, that second point is so restrictive that master henchman within two of friendly scheme and has half of its maximum health or less. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just it's uh, bizarre. I scored um, in the the Ulix versus Zip game, um, which I thought set the trap was going to be good because pigs die; they drop markers. Um, and I ended up killing his models too quickly to score the points. Um, and like, I could get two markers down, but that third marker was so hard to knock, to knock out. And then like, I had to pull some shit to try to get the, the last point on zip. I had to once again have activation control to be able to, to make him move zip first and then have to deal with him. And, um, Certain crews are going to be able to pull this off, and certain crews will not. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, this is probably an easy one for Yoko, too. Mm -hmm. um, you got the activation control. You can drop some markers pretty easily. Lucy um, can probably do it. He has a good access to draw out secrets. Um, but yeah, uh, when, when we combine it with the strat, I think it's just <laughs> completely dead in the water in this pool because yeah. the carve carve mark model, uh, the carve markers are. Rem moving the mo the the markers as you drop them so if you're trying to set up your traps they're just going to get bulldozed mm -hmm. uh and then when you add in the fact that the enemy will probably have two models that are just sort of running the bulldozer that will not be near the rest of their crew you it's just going to be very difficult to score set the trap yep i i i definitely agree i think it's going to be a it's going to be one of those you take it because you can do it or you don't just ignore it. Just flat out ignore it. Yeah. Um, so on the other hand, we do have leave your mark in this pool. And like we said, it is sort of an easier to score, at least for the first point one. And you would assume that the if your opponent is doing what they're supposed to do, their bulldozers are not going to be near the center when you're trying to score the second point of leave your mark. Uh, so do you think leave your mark is is way more relevant in carve or is this a thing people are not going to take because you can get your schemes bulldozed? No, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be fine because I don't see the carve markers coming down the middle. And I think you're scoring leave your mark on like turn three. And by that point, the carve markers should be further off than in the center. So and like you said, I don't think denying your opponent's carve by pushing the marker is going to be the, the strategy. I think just killing their models that are pushing is the strategy. Um, so I think leave your fine is fine. Um, I think leave your mark and in your face are probably going to be the two most people go for once again in this one. Yeah. Um, 
sabotage is freaking weird. It's just freaking weird. I, I, I hate sabotage. I, I really wish you didn't better. come back. Yeah. I don't generally think it's any better. The only thing that's good about it is that Carve is going to be, um, once again, Carve is definitely going to be a, um, uh, AP intensive strategy to get the markers where you need to do. So it could leave you open to dropping markers, but all they have to do is send a model that can remove markers and then you're, then you're done. So that means, so I hate sabotage. I basically didn't take it when it was in GG one because it was so hard to do. And pretty much every, well, I, I tried it plenty and almost every time I tried it, my opponent would at some point be like, well, how do you deny that second point again? Oh, I just got to drop one marker within two. And I can just stand on. Okay. All right. That's an easy, that's an easy deny for that second point. Uh, and like, it always put me in a position where, where I just would not take it anymore after a certain point. But in carve sabotage actually kind of makes a little bit of sense because you have a built-in ability to remove the marker that would deny you your second point of sabotage. And since the terrain piece has to be so far away from the center line and on the opposing player's table half, your card marker should be relatively close to that. So you could maybe get away with scoring the second point of sabotage, which is typically so easy to deny um, by using your card marker. So maybe sabotage does make a little more sense when you in a carve pool. Yeah, um, maybe. But yeah, I, I I didn't realize that I have leave your market in your face in two of these. But yeah, it, it, it does make sense that... Um, I think that combo is probably going to be pretty strong. I, th- I think you have leave your mark in your face, which are generically good for almost every crew. And then sabotage, I feel like, is a huckster <laughs> scheme. So Huxers will do that. Public demo is a gimmick scheme where, you know, if you have Mordrake or Scion, something like that, where you can ensure the second point, you might take it. And Set the Trap is also a gimmick scheme in the way that we talked, maybe less so, but I think it's definitely stronger in certain crews. So I think in some ways this third pool does do what I was hoping for, where I would maybe change my crew selection based off the this pool. Uh, that being said... Maybe it's still a little too, you know, if, if I get a bad matchup uh, at list selection, my opponent can still push their carves right into the center and go leave your mark in your face and just walk down the middle. Um, and I, I don't know. Maybe, but I, I think even in that case, we could probably, I could probably, we probably have like an 8 6 game there that could kind of go either way. So I, I think I like this pool a lot more than the first. Mm-hmm. I think it's fun. I think it's got more options. I think it. I think it's got plenty. Like it's, there are not super great. I like most of the options are doable. You just have to build towards them a little bit, and I think I'm okay with that. All right. So, so we talked about space on these three pools. Um, and before we head out, I would like to talk about kind of wrapping it into the catering pools episode I did. What is if we're going to design our ideal pool based off what we've seen or what we've looked into with gg3 so far what are you thinking i or think i can I start talk, off if you, if you i think i want to talk about one of the strategies we haven't talked about yet which is cursed objects mm-hmm. cursed objects i thought was going to be like a not in-depth strategy but it's 
got some really cool stuff going on. Like, um, being able to throw the marker back is really kind of fun. I think um, it played out a lot differently than I thought it was going to be. And I also like that it incentivizes, yeah, you got to kill models, but you've got to kill models at a pace. I think that's that's really interesting. So, um, you know, I do like that about, it's not a cheesable pace as much as Public Enemies and Reckoning was. Agreed. It's just a pace. Agreed. And like I said, the interacting to spit a marker back on top of people is hilarious. By the way, putting that marker on zip is very funny. Um, putting multiple of your markers on zip would be so great. Because <laughs> he can't interact, so he can't push them back. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think that's a fun strategy, and I kind of want to build. I want to build a pool based around that strategy. Um, okay. So for me, I think like um, I would want to try. Um, what do we have? Uh, strategies that require things to be kept alive because your opponent has to do them too. So like in your face to make it interesting in your face has to be out because it's just too easy to do. It's, it's, it's literally just too easy to do. Um, I, I, I would push back a little bit on ahead. that because in your face is easy to do in the other strats where you have to go somewhere. The thing with cursed right. objects is you don't have to go somewhere. And when I'm thinking about a cursed objects pool, Maybe in your face is pretty good because it forces your leader to go forward, at least. I mean, I guess that's fair. But I think a lot of times your people are going to be playing a pretty brawly leader in this. I might be wrong. But I could definitely see, like, ne Nekima, Dashol, those those leaders that want to go in and punch things um, probably in there pretty pretty often. Um, but I kind of wanted to come up with a... With a um, a pool that's going to make my opponent think about what they have to take. Um, so I picked Hidden Martyrs because you know things are going to die. Do you give your opponent that point or do you not give your opponent, you know, like, do you, does your opponent have Hidden Martyrs? So do I have to kind of worry about what I kill? I think that's always a cool thing. Um, public Demo is going to be another one of those where it's like, can I take public demo? I don't know. It's going to be really difficult to um, keep models alive. So um, that was kind of one. Secret meetup, I think, is going to be good just because pulling models in. Um, and uh, that's another one where it's like you have to keep a model alive for that. So um, and then I picked load them up just because I think it is a weird one that I don't know necessarily. And the other like very difficult to score one that I have here is set the trap. So I think there's some really interesting, like all five of those schemes are going to make you sit and look at that pool and go, what the heck do I bring? Like, how do I yeah. score eight points on this? And I kind of like those pools um, because you, it, it produces unpredictability because people are going to go out of their comfort zones and take schemes that they wouldn't maybe necessarily take just to try to score, you know, see what you can do to score eight points. Yeah. My initial thoughts are, I hate it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's, so, that's good. That's what I want. I want yeah. you to pull and go, God, this is awful. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think you're, 
you're doing something really cool because like load them up. Yeah, I'm, I'm never going to take that. But actually we're doing, you know, we're doing cursed objects and I brought some insignificant models that are not going to do that. I can do load them up corpse markers pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, if I'm playing Nexus 2, uh, I can throw a bunch of insignificant at you. I'm going to kill some stuff. There's going to be lots of corpse, you know, something like that is out of the box that you don't normally think about. The The issue is when you do make the, the issue, the reason I hate it is sometimes when you make the pool too hard, it just makes the pool irrelevant. And then it just becomes down to matchup. Like, who can, yeah. Who can just kill the other one better because they won at list writing. Um, so, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like it. It's pretty good. Um, so for my pool, I'm going to go with covert operation because I already said that I think that's my favorite strategy. Uh, for deployment, I don't think the deployment matters as much on this strategy as others. Um, so I'm going to go with corner. I always like to have a round one corner deployment so that the game goes a little faster while everyone's unpacking all their stuff. So maybe this is my round one pool for a tournament I'm uh, organizing or something. And I really like schemes that mask each other or synergize with each other. And the one really cute thing I realized is that you can take the same models for hidden martyrs and public demonstration. Mm -hmm. So if you really wanted to go in a YOLO play where four of my scheme points are basically reliant on this one five cost model or six cost model that I can protect, but all of my points are on protecting that model, then I think it's pretty cool that you could do that. <laughs> you know, like I could take um, more Drake, Eva, and an operative as right. my public demo. And then, um, so, and then more Drake and Eva can be my hidden martyrs as well. So my whole strategy is on get, you know, getting that operative killed on turn three after I scored public demonstration with it and Eva, and then just protecting Mordrake the entire game. I think that's, that's like an interesting play that you can pull off. Um, and then the other three, I want to do some scheme marker stuff. And I really hate like this first pool we had where spread them out. If I put a scheme marker on the board, it can only be spread them out. So when, when a scheme marker goes on the board, I want it to be potentially all three of these scheme marker schemes. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do, I'm going to do set the trap and secret meetup. I like the combination of those two because, Oh, mm, I'm going to do sabotage, even though I said I hated it <laughs> secret meetup and set the trap because if I put a scheme that's fairly on your side of the board that kind of looks like a sabotage scheme. It can easily be my bait for either set the trap or secret meetup. I, I like that that combo kind of exists. Like if I go a little bit past there, put a scheme down, you're like, oh, I, if I get over there, I can deny sabotage. But then maybe I just bait you into the trap or may, maybe I just bra- bait you into the secret meetup. And oh, um, yeah. same for the other ones. You know, if I'm putting my schemes down for secret meetup, like you can put down two schemes base to base with a terrain feature that are actually scoring the second point of secret meetup, but uh, they look like you're trying to score sabotage. Uh, So you can kind of psych your opponent out that way. 
So I think that would be a cute pool. <laughs> a little editor note. Uh, I'm just now realizing that we basically made the same pool, which is one different strat and one different scheme, which is pretty funny. But it's very funny that we wrote very similar pools, but arrived at them for different reasons. And they'll probably be played differently, which I think is a pretty good sign for GG3. I agree. I think it would be. I think it would be interesting. Um, but then you have the people that will just not take the marker schemes. Yeah. <laughs> like completely, this like we're not dropping any markers, which I guess you then know exactly. And like, they're going uh, in, yeah, on the uh, protect the cheap model play. Yeah, absolutely. I think that most people will just take hidden martyrs and then the one scheme marker scheme that they like. Um, yeah, you know, that's fair. But there, fair. there's. There's a potential to just YOLO dive on either side of the spectrum. All right. So that was uh, predicting some space. Um, I know you got to run soon. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have anything else you want to add before we take off? Um, no, just uh, if you're coming to, to Nova, uh, come hang out with us. I'm going to be excited to get to play games all weekend. And it'll be cool to like see everybody again. Um, I know like some of the... I've already talked to some of like the top US players are definitely going to be there. So obviously with the invitational, but like it's just going to be really cool to see like GG3 is so new still and will still be so new in a month that it will be really interesting to see how things go. Yeah, I agree. There's going to be some weird success in terms of picking schemes. And I'm, there's definitely going to be so many moments where I'm like, oh, I know what your scheme is. I'm going to deny it. And uh, you don't take that scheme at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, um, I'm excited. It's going to be great. Uh, I obviously want to do well. Uh, you know, got to pick a faction before that. But my primary goal is just going to be not to blow my back out, considering we're going to be playing 10 games over the, the course of the weekend. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of gaming. All right. Thanks for, um, thanks for joining me, Maeve. It was a good convo. Uh-huh. Always a pleasure. What are you doing? in my swamp!